The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Those in the room and those who are joining us online, it's uh, great to be with you and come around God's Word together. Um, I trust you've already really sensed God speaking to your heart and ministering to you this morning. It's been a wonderful service already, and I trust and pray that God will continue to do His good work uh, among us as we come around His Word. Um, people say that men and women are very different when it comes to directions. Uh, guys generally don't tend to like to ask for directions. Now, I'm one of these guys, if I'm going to a strange and unfamiliar place, I love asking for directions. Um, I remember when we were driving around Kenya, often having to stop and say, uh, where are we supposed to go? Can you, you tell us? And uh, before there was Google Maps and GPS and all of that in Sri Lanka, that's how everybody got around. You would, you would ask someone who knew where you were going, uh, and they would ha- maybe they hadn't been exactly where you're going, but they knew some of the way. And so they'd say, okay, this is what you need to do. Watch out for this landmark. Turn here. Don't take this. And they'll get you. To set, and then you just drive there, and then you'd ask somebody else who was at that point for the next part of it. it some of the Filipinos are nodding. Uh, it's a bit like that. Uh, you just kind of go to the next bit, and then you get the next bit, and then the next bit until you get there. And there's great comfort in knowing that someone else has been where you want to go and can help you figure out how to get there. And usually they tell you, okay, you need to go here, you can watch out for this landmark, keep an eye out for this, don't get distracted by this, keep going. You know, and then they give you kind of vague but clear enough directions to actually, when you get there, you go, oh yeah, that's the landmark they were talking about and this is the turn that they meant. And so it's really, really helpful. And so this morning, as we kind of head to, into this new year where there's so much uncertainty and where we don't really know where we're going and what it's going to look like, I want to look at a passage, one of the Psalms, of someone who's kind of been there, maybe not in exactly the same situation that we find ourselves in, but they've kind of been on this road of crisis and uncertainty and, and challenge and difficulty and to glean from them some insights that would help us kind of understand how we can navigate our way through uncertain, uncharted territory. So if you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 16, we're going to be spending our time in this psalm. And uh, as I was doing some research, some interesting things came out. Um, This psalm is classified as a a psalm of confidence, uh, which is quite, quite interesting. And there's a a fair bit of debate and uncertainty as to the context that gave rise to this psalm. And uh, there's two main schools of thought. One is that the psalmist is writing in the midst of a current crisis that they're going through. Uh, And all of the uncertainty and they're really kind of, you know, seeking God for his uh, leading and his assurance and all of that. Then there's a whole bunch of other people who believe that this psalm has been written after the psalmist has come through a crisis, reflecting on the lessons that he's learned, uh, the things that really helped him. And now, as he's facing an uncertain future with the potential of more crises ahead, he's trying to reflect on and put into practice the lessons he's learned from the crisis he's come through. Either way, whichever preference you take, I, I think I lean to the first Um, And when you read through it, maybe you'll come to the same conclusion that the psalmist is actually currently going through a crisis. Either way, whether it's current or previous, he went through a crisis. And it's a difficult, challenging time. 
And I think the things that he says you can really help us as we approach our own crisis. And even though COVID is an unusual, extraordinary crisis, if we're honest, all of life is a little bit like that, isn't it? It's just from one crisis to another. Um, and so uh, I, I really hope and, and pray and, uh, and trust that the principles and the lessons we can glean from this psalm will really help us, not just during COVID, not just even in 2021, but as a, as a roadmap, as directions for life. And that's kind of what I've entitled my message, Directions for Life. So let's read this psalm and we'll jump in. Psalm 16. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Father, we just pray that you will speak to our hearts through your word that you will encourage us, challenge us, provoke us to think and consider the directions and instructions you give us for life in crisis and challenge and difficulty. Lord, your word can sustain us. A word in season can challenge and bless our hearts. And I pray that you would bring that word into our hearts this morning, that you will give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying and help me to faithfully communicate uh, the things that you want to say to your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we did uh, last Sunday, again, we're going to have a time of Q&A at the end of this message. So I encourage you, uh, if I say things that uh, you want to kind of tease out a little bit more or you want to uh, question or talk more, feel free to put those comments in the, in the YouTube chat and uh, we'll have a time of uh, talking about things that really, I guess, stood out for you or things that you, know, you, you got out of this message. Uh, we can unpack it a little bit more. All right, so I want to go through six things that the psalmist talks about. Dash will be very happy that I'm not talking about three. There's six today. Um, so that's good. And I'm going to go through these quite quickly, only because they're kind of obvious. And I was preparing this message, and I was thinking, God, you know, like, this is kind of ABC. It's kind of obvious stuff here. And I've said all these things before, and we keep saying the same things. But God just kind of challenged me and, go, and reminded me that sometimes we forget the very basic things. And sometimes we need to think and tease out and reflect a bit more deeply about the things that we know well. So in one hand, these things will be really obvious to you, but I want to kind of critique them and kind of challenge them as we go. The first thing the psalm tells, psalmist tells us here is that, again, we can see this theme of safety and refuge uh, running through this psalm. He mentions it in verse 1, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. In verse 5, again, he says, You make my lot secure. And then... 
being let down, a whole bunch of things. And sometimes it's just easier to just go, you know what? I got this. I'm just going to carry this on my own. But the psalmist says, I say of the holy people who are in the land that they are my delight. They are my delight. And, and it's hard sometimes in crisis to trust ourselves to others. Or in a crisis like we're going through right now, which is a global pandemic, this is the other thing we tell ourselves. Man, everybody's got problems. Everybody's got issues. Everybody's doing it tough. Everybody's having problems. So I'm not going to share my problems with somebody else. They've got enough problems to worry about than having to worry about mine. We say those things, right? But the psalmist says one of the things he's learned in the midst of crisis, how important and critical other people are. See, let's not forget that one of the greatest gifts God has given us as the church is each other. Brothers and sisters, which is why the book of Hebrews, in the midst of their persecution, challenges and encourages that church to not forsake getting together. And right now I know it's hard, we're we're limited, there, there are restrictions and all of that, but we can get creative and we can find ways to meet other brothers and sisters in Christ, to mutually encourage each other. We would all know the saying, a problem shared is a problem halved. And there's incredible power, the Bible tells us, in relying on others, in leaning on others, in drawing strength from one another. And I encourage you, make the most of that. Make the most of every opportunity we have to connect with each other. You know why? Because in Matthew 18, Jesus says this profound thing, that when two or three gather together, somehow he is present in a very real and powerful way. So life lesson number two, lean on others. Lean on our brothers and sisters in Christ. Even when sometimes it might seem like it's more trouble than it's worth, let's trust God and his word to open our hearts, to reach out, to share, to encourage, and to to help each other carry each other's burdens. The third lesson, life lesson he gives us, the third direction he gives us in verse uh, 4, he says, those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. This This is a hard one. Deal with your idols. Deal with your idols. Again, I think in crisis, we, we tend to reach out and grab a hold of anything that we can find security in. You know, and at PCC, we, we talk a lot about the idols of our heart. We're not talking necessarily of idols of wood and stone, though I think sometimes material things and wealth and money can become those idols. I think there are root idols that are deeper than that, and they're things like power, they're things like control, they're things like comfort, they're things like approval. Those are the root idols that manifest and express themselves in lots of other ways. And what we tend to do in crisis is... is want to kind of put our, our faith and our trust and our security and our confidence in some of those things that we can control. Gods of our own making. And the psalmist says here, and this should be a wake-up call for us, those who run after other gods will what? Will suffer more and more. More and more. See, sometimes we buy into the lies of our culture that there is answer and hope and security and confidence in pursuing those other gods. And that's the greatest lie of the enemy. He says, like he did to Jesus when he was in the wilderness, if you will just bow down and worship me, what will I give you? I will give you everything. I will give you all of the riches of the world if you will just do this one thing, bow down and worship me. But the Bible tells us that 
when we give our hearts, when we trust ourselves to any other God, it brings us to greater suffering, to bondage, and ultimately to death. Deal with your idols. See, and many of us maybe, those who are listening, those who are here, maybe we, we don't think of ourselves as idol worshippers. We think, no, there's no way I would bow down and worship power or control or comfort or approval or materialism or wealth or whatever it is. And maybe we would never do that, but the more real danger for us is syncretism. Syncretism. And what, what I mean by that is where we worship God and another God, which is what the context of this is. This psalmist is writing in Israel. And you know, while they weren't really worshiping, some people were worshiping Baals and other gods, but many others were worshiping Yahweh and other gods. Syncretism. It's basically hedging our bets. It's kind of going, well, God, I, I kind of trust you, and I know you're my father, and I know you'll provide, but just in case, just in case. And I think that's the real danger for us. But see, God says, first commandment, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart. What God is looking for is wholehearted devotion. Anything less is to give our hearts to something else, and that only leads to suffering. Now, dealing with our idols, friends, it's hard work. And isn't it the grace of God that in the midst of crisis, what God often does is reveal the idols of our heart. He strips away all of the junk. Life kind of slows down a little bit and all of the rubbish and the junk in our hearts kind of begins to settle in the bottom and we get to see the stuff that's really there. We can't escape and we can't run away in the busyness of life where we're doing all this stuff and life is good and we're so busy enjoying life that we don't really know what's going on in our heart. And I think that's one of the things that COVID has done is to kind of strip away all of the illusions and all of the masks and God's kind of going, I see what's in your heart. Now it's time you see what's in your heart. And it's confronting and it's challenging and it's scary and it takes hard work. And sometimes it just feels like, God, just give me a break. You just keep stripping and stripping. And, you know, just kind of feel the heaviness of God's discipline and God's hand on you in the midst of crisis. But I want to say to you that that too is a grace of God. That too is a gift of God. Because if we worship other gods, the psalm says, those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. And God in his grace wants to spare us from that. So I encourage you in the midst of crisis, whether it's COVID or any crisis you go through, begin to examine your heart because maybe that's God's gift to you to expose the idols of your heart, to bring you to a greater place of wholeness and wholehearted devotion to Him, a greater degree of freedom and life and joy in Him. Deal with your idols. What are we up to? Number four. Verse 5, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Here's another challenging one. Contentment. Be content. Be content. Again, on the road of life, the psalmist wants to remind us that we need to trust God in our life. The boundary lines, speaking of allotment, of land allotment, have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Now again, let's be honest. Let's be real. When we're going through crisis, we often see all that's wrong with our lives, all that we don't have, 
all the things that frustrate us. And many of us in COVID have, and maybe even before that, have dealt with incredible disappointments and really felt that God has let us down or God has not provided for us or a whole bunch of things. And, and there's a real danger in that where bitterness can creep into our heart, particularly as we compare ourselves to others and compare what other people have and how great other people's lives are. And social media does not help because we see the best of everybody else's life and go, man, COVID has not changed anything for them. Their life is awesome. Their life is great. My life sucks compared to that. And we can come into such a place of disgruntled, discontented, bitterness, envy, and it sucks the life out of us. So how do we guard our hearts against that? Well, I think the first thing we talked about, remembering that apart from God, we have no good thing. And that's why I love the songs we sang today. Tim, you did a great job in really sensing what the Holy Spirit wanted to say this morning because I think that's the key. That's the key, that it's as we bring our hearts before our Father and we hold on to these two truths that are universal and biblical throughout from Genesis to Revelation. One, that God is good. He is good. Whether we see it and experience it personally and kind of go, yes, these are all the blessings. Look how blessed I am. Look, I'm healthy. I've never been sick. I have everything I want. I have financial prosperity. Whether that is our reality or not, God is good. And here's the second one that is critical. God loves us. See, you you can believe that God is good, but if you don't believe that God loves you, then you can go, yeah, God, you're good, but you're good to everybody else, just not me. And if you think, well, yeah, God, you love me, but you're always, you know, doing harm to me, which doesn't really make sense. You've got to hold on to both. God, you are good and you love me, and I need to trust that if my life has turned out very differently to how I thought, or COVID has been very different, or the things I planned, or I was dreaming, the holiday, or you know, the trip, or the, the career, or the job opportunity, or the family situation, whatever it might be, did not work out. The, the, the life story, the, the road I was planning for last year, for this year, for the next year, for the rest of my life, may take some wrong turns, and there might be puddles, and there might be some ups and downs, and some curvy bits, and really difficult off-road experiences but God, I'm going to settle my heart in this contented place of knowing that you're good and you love me. And apart from you, I have no good thing. But I want to be honest with you, that's really hard to do. It's really hard to rest in the security of knowing that Father God is good and that He loves us when our life doesn't reflect that sometimes. And that's why this psalm encourages me because the psalmist is not writing from the mountaintop. He's not writing because he's never experienced real life and hardship and we can go, what do you know? What are you talking about? But he's a, a fellow pilgrim who's gone ahead, who's experienced crisis and hardship and challenges so much so that he's fearing for his life. That's the context. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. You make known to me the parts of life. Uh, you will not abandon me to the realm of, de- of the dead. Like he's facing real critical situations. He's the one that's telling us. The boundary lines have fallen for me in good places. God, what you have for me is a delightful inheritance. Contentment. We come to the next one. Point number six, I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night. My heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With Him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. This is about listening to and always looking to God. 
again, in crisis, I don't know about you, but my experience of crisis is that we go into panic mode and we just get into this flurry of activity. We start trying to relying on ourselves and go, okay, I need to do this and I need to do that. And okay, like we just go into this hyper kind of mode or we go to the opposite extreme of kind of disconnecting and withdrawing and kind of retreating into our shell and burying our head in the sand and go, okay, just, I'm just going to hold on and let the storm pass by and then I'll put my head up again. Usually it's one of those two responses. I'm the latter. But here the psalmist says, God has not left us alone. He's not left us to stumble around in the dark in the midst of a crisis. You know, God has given us his roadmap in his word. He's given us his truths. He's given us instructions for how to live. But even much more than that, God has given us a 24-7 navigator, if you like, guidance system. Because the, the psalmist says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night. My heart instructs me. Jesus said that, you know, it's good that I go because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and He will be with you and He will be in you and He will instruct you and He will teach you and He will remind you of the things that I've said. We have the Holy Spirit in our hearts as God's people, much more than even the psalmist would have known. The psalmist had no idea of the kind of spiritual uh, experience that we have with God through the Holy Spirit. The trick And the challenge is for us to slow down, slow down long enough to reset our eyes on Jesus, on the Holy Spirit, on the Father, to to slow down our thoughts enough to hear what God is saying, to hear His counsel, to hear His instruction, to know that James says that if we lack wisdom, we can ask and God will give us His wisdom to still our heart, in the midst of crisis, when it feels like our world is falling apart and everything intuitively within us wants to just clamor and and, and be kind of hyperactive and and do whatever to kind of control and manage and, and take matters into our own hands and rely on our own wisdom and our own reason and our own abilities to try and fix our problems or go to the opposite extreme of just disconnect and disengage and withdraw and just try and hold on and survive. We need to find the middle way where we just come before God and still our hearts and says, Father, I'm looking to you. As the, another psalm says, I, I look to the hills from where my help comes on, from. And I still my heart for your quiet whisper into my soul to be still and know that you are my God and to listen to your counsel and your instruction and your wisdom. Last one. To look beyond this life. Look beyond this life. Verse 9 and 10 says this, Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Friends, this is the life we all want. Listen to that. My heart is glad. My tongue is rejoicing. My body is secure. You make known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. That sounds like a great life. And this psalmist who's in crisis can say that this was his experience. Why? Notice that there's two critical words. Verse 9, he says, therefore. Therefore, which means he's connecting this experience and this reality to all of the things that we've just looked at. 
when we live this way, when we follow these directions, when we put into place these principles, therefore, in that place of security, our hearts will be glad. Our tongue can rejoice. And even our whole body can know the peace and the security of God. And then he says, because, in verse 10. So he gives us one, this last principle that we're talking about. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. So he's kind of said, all the things that he said and now he's saying, but there's another reason why I can be secure. Because you know what? Even if I lose my life in the here and now, even if this crisis takes me out, I know that you will make known to me the parts of life. And notice that it's his, he has this unwavering faith of God's faithfulness in the present. You will fill me with joy in your presence and then in eternity with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And even in the first bit, my body will rest secure, verse 9, and then you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. And so for us as Christians, again, we have on the other side of the cross so much more insight of the truth of this because of Jesus. And in the New Testament, both Peter and Paul apply these verses to Jesus and to the confidence that you and I can have because of His resurrection, because He died and He conquered death and He overcame and He rose again. You and I can have this assurance that even if this crisis, any crisis, the worst things that we experience take us out, we can have this assurance that there is a confidence that you and I can have that we will know eternal pleasures at the Father's right hand that He will not abandon us to the grave, that there is more that God has for us on the other side. Because of Jesus' death, because of Jesus' forgiveness, because of the assurance of life that we have in Jesus, we will live with God forever and enjoy the pleasures of heaven at His right hand. So I encourage us, PCC, encourage you, all of you who are watching, that we hold on to these principles as we head into this year with all its uncertainty, as we head into life, with all of its uncertainty, that we would heed the principles and the advice and, and the instructions of one who has gone before us. And really, if, if you were to summarize this psalm into two ideas, it's this. One, trust God. Trust God. More than anything else, that's what God wants for us in the crisis and in the mountaintops, to trust Him. And you see that language throughout this psalm over and over again, Verse 1, in you I take refuge. Verse 2, you are my Lord. Verse 8, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With Him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Verse 10, because you will not abandon me. It's this unwavering, secure trust in God. The second big idea is pursue God. Above everything else, pursue Him. And again, throughout the psalm, the the psalmist brings it out in different ways. Verse 2, like we said, apart from you, I have no good thing. It's about pursuing God above all else. Verse 5, you alone are my portion and my cup. You alone. Verse 11, you make known to me the paths of life. Real life is found in you. You will fill me with joy in your presence. I pursue your presence because there's joy there. And not just for here and now, but for all eternity. It's at your right hand. And so I will pursue you. Trust God. Pursue God and you will be able to weather the storms. They'll come, but you'll be able to stand firm like this psalmist did. Let me pray, and then I'm going to invite Anuj to come and help us in our conversation. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. 
Thank you that you're a good God and you've given us instructions for life, directions for life. And I pray that, Lord, you would cause our hearts to be gripped by the the security and the confidence we can have in trusting in you. And, Lord, I just commit us uh, to your grace and I pray that you will continue to speak to us and remind us of these things this week in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.